Hello, everyone. Welcome to This Week in Mormons, the Sisters Edition with real life sisters, Ariane Smith and Tiffany Hales. We are here for the month of June. Yes, yes, Our we are. Our contribution to the twin world for the month exactly. of June. We are in high sticky floor season. Very true. With and children home for summer. Oh, gosh. Which is also turning into sticky car season for Ugh. me. Did you see that picture I posted this week? Oh, yes, of the popsicle. I found a green popsicle melted in the cup holder in the back of my car many days later. <laughs> okay, which child is to blame for this? I don't know. It. I really don't know because I picked up a gaggle of girls from oh. a steak activity okay. and they all had green popsicles. So it could it could possibly not even be your child. Possibly. Well, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna give you some hope here. So my son who's 18 is in the back of my husband's pickup and uh-huh. they'd stopped, I don't know, at some convenience store and gotten a drink. He puts it down on the floor between his feet. Uh-oh. Something happens and he squishes it. Oh. And 44 ounces of sticky sugar <laughs> soda ends up like all over the floor of my husband's truck. Now, fortunately, he's got, you know, those all weather maps, but it goes into the corners and everything. And now when he opens the back door on his truck, it, it, it it's sticks. stuck. Oh, no. <laughs> so you're telling me I'm in this for the long haul. I'm telling you you're in this for the long haul because at 18, I'm still dealing with sticky floor situation. Okay. All right. And he had he had some soda just a couple weeks ago that he ended up getting on the floor in my kitchen. Oh my goodness. And my husband and I just look at each other and we're just like, how old is he? Is he going to be living with us forever? <laughs> oh my goodness. So yeah, um, sticky floors don't go away. They just reinvent right. themselves. I'll mentally prepare for that. Mentally, yes. Anyways, for sure. in other news, it is it just happens to be Father's Day today when we're recording. Well, and let's explain. We usually record on a Monday night. Why don't you explain why are we why we're recording on a Sunday night this week? Oh, we have family travels. So here we are on well, Sunday night. Here we are. <laughs> your family reunions. <laughs> yes. Kind uh-huh. of like a partial family reunion. Got it. So. so anyway, yes, here we are on Sunday nights, which um, it has been Father's Day today. So why okay, so you, we have to recap because we, we always recap. recap for Mother's Day. We tried yes. to talk my husband into coming down and hopping on here and talking yes. about his Father's Day experience. <laughs> but we couldn't today. convince him to do that. He was not on board this time. We'll get him on here one of these days. Okay. <laughs> So, um, so what did your ward do? So my ward did cookies. And oh. I'm pretty sure it was a crumble cookie. They didn't give them to him in a nice pretty box like they gave to the sisters. They told all the men, go to the kitchen after church and, and get your treat. I think this is like so hilarious, the difference between the men and the women. Okay. When the women, um, when it's Mother's Day, your thing is delivered to you, whether you're in primary Young women in a pretty box society. with a bow. It is delivered because I think they know if they don't deliver it to you, you're probably not going to get it because A, you're going to forget. Yes. B, you're surrounded by children and you're going to forget. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. So, but with the men, they say, come to the kitchen after church and they do not forget. Oh. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure they all got crumble cookies, which good for them. Nice. We got crumble cookies for Mother's Day and I thought it was amazing. I would like to know the amount of business that crumble cookie does this time of year. Oh, very For true. Mother's Day and Father's exactly. Day. They've got to be killing it. Exactly. Because I feel like it's the new thing to do now that, they, yeah. now that they're in existence. Exactly. What's Order your mass word? quantities of cookies. You yeah. know what? My word does this at least every year that 
<clears throat> I can remember for the last little while, we do pies. Now, Marie Callender's went out of business, so mm-hmm. we're not doing Marie Callender pie. There is another company here in Boise called Sherry's. And so it's a restaurant. And so- Oh yeah, they have those everywhere. They Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and so we order pies from Sherry's. Okay. And then what we do is we put them in like the- the little clear clam shells. So they're all sealed up. Oh, so then the so dad can take it to go. They can take it to go or they can sit there and eat it. And so um, because the Relief Society is in charge of it, what we do is we get all the pies there in the morning. We have sacrament. And then today was a Sunday school Sunday. Mm-hmm. And so during Sunday school, we went in the kitchen and we, and we cut up all the pies. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of beefing with another ward in my building. You want to know why I'm beefing with another ward in my building? I can guess because I think you were beefing with another ward on Father's Day last year. I was. I was beefing with the same ward last year. Same ward. Same ward. Same offense. They, same offense. (laughs) They did not get the memo. Okay. Here's the memo. We always meet before them. Okay. That's just how the rotation goes until we are the last ward in the building, which we will be next year. And then they will be the first ward in the building. But once we finish with that tour of duty as the last ward in the building, we'll be back to the first ward in the building. We're still ahead of them. (laughs) So last year we were the nine o'clock ward and they were the 11 o'clock ward. You may have recalled that they are the ones who had their smokers going out all night. This is the full blown barbecue. This was the full blown barbecue. I remember this story because I was amazed. I was like, you can do that at the church building. And so when (laughs) we brought our pies uh, at like eight 30 in the morning prior to church to just bring them there, they had taken over like every square space of mm-hmm. counter in the kitchen. They weren't there. This, this was last year. Okay. They weren't there. So we promptly just kind of just shoved their stuff aside and went, excuse us, excuse us. We get this first. So you're the second ward, not the first ward. <laughs> were they barbecuing again today? They were not barbecuing today. <laughs> what they were doing today is they were doing cookies for their dads. Okay. And I think what they had asked is all the young women to make cookies. So our sacrament gets out at 1130. Their starts at noon. And so we're in there trying to cut pies. Meanwhile, they have like a parade of girls bringing cookies in amongst all of my pie cutters. And they're bringing cookies in. And like the people who are in charge are like, oh, well, what are we supposed to do? What do you want us to put? I mean, they were like bothered that we were in there cutting <laughs> our pies. And I'm like, hello, we did this last year. You ought to be aware of this. And it's not your time for the kitchen. You could have the kitchen at 1230. <laughs> not a minute before. So yes, I got this stink eye by a couple of their leaders. Oh, and dear. I was like. I exer- let's just say I exercised great restraint because <laughs> I wanted to engage in some not so nice things, but it was Sunday and Father's Day. So anyway, oh, I'm sh- still beefing with the, the with with the third ward. But next year we will be the last ward in the building, so we won't have to. You'll deal have with a them. buffer. I'll between have a buffer you and them. between us and the third ward. Got to share who the thinks, got to share the kitchen. Who people? thinks they own the kitchen? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh, the politics of the church kitchen. Oh, the po- seriously, the politics of the church <laughs> kitchen. But our dads love the pies, and so that's great. And we actually do deliver. So uh, we go around to primary, okay. And we've got some we've got some dads in nursery, okay. And then we go around to the Sunday school classes, and so we deliver to all the dads that we're teaching, oh, okay. And then all the other dads that were just in gospel doctrine, we put a table outside gospel doctrine, and they could come okay. and get their pie as they However, walk out. We had to man the table because I had a uh, a group of teachers. Oh, yes. As in teachers, as in like 14 and 15-year-old yes. boys who, when we took the pie into their class, were oogling. And they're like, well, I'm an uncle. I deserve pie. And I'm like, are you over 18? <laughs> no. Then you don't get pie. 
That's the rule. If you're a male over 18 and you go to adult Sunday school, you can have pie. Yeah. But until then, no pie for you. Yes. You always have to guard these things. So yes. Primary children. They hovered. (laughs) They hovered till the very end. And they did walk away with some pie for those that hovered. Well, it was a good strategy. I made them hover. I didn't let them, (laughs) didn't didn't willy nilly let them eat pie. They're going to be showing up again next year. Oh, I'm sure they will. Anyway. They're no dummies. They are no (laughs) dummies. So, and then- I'm sure just like you guys did, we just had dinner with, with our husbands yep. tonight and and celebrated dad. So yeah. that was fun. Very fun. Okay, should we start into some news stories? Well, we ought to. <laughs> you know, I have to say this was um, not a lot of heavy news this week. Mm-hmm. It was, we mostly have a bunch of human interest stories mm-hmm. of members of the church who are in the news but really like no like breaking news. Nothing breaking, nothing crazy. I feel like it goes in spurts. I do too. Um, and we'll have like a lull for a long time and then it's like wham, wham, wham. I like know. Tons of like big either news straight from the church. Exactly. They're tweaking things or changing things or just headlines of people in the church that are a little more prominent than exactly. <laughs> others. So. Well, and we're going into July. And I mm-hmm. think I think historically, all the general authorities take the month of July off and they go, you know, family mm-hmm. reunion, mm-hmm. vacation. Right. <laughs> so it might be so, slow for the summer. It could be. It could be slow. We could be we could be back here in a month for our July show going, well, maybe unless it's a little crooked. Unless Bachelorette is starting again in July. Maybe, oh, really? maybe we'll find out there's some LDS people on there. <laughs> That's always exciting. That is always exciting. <laughs> we'll keep you posted. Okay. Well, so. let's, let's start with a news story. All right. So first news story we've got is, um, you know, there was that big flooding up in Yellowstone yes. last week, which is awful when you look at the pictures and the whole park is closed for who knows how long. Um, but this was a story just on some of the members up there. I'm sure there, are, you know, there's several members in, on the Idaho side of Yellowstone, um, but there's also some up in Montana, which was where most of the flooding um, took place. So they, uh, this article just was a quick highlight of how it affected the members up there. Thankfully, nobody lost property. It sounds like or their life. Um, but they interviewed uh, Matt Johnson, who is a high counselor in the Bozeman, Montana stake and the stake young men's president. Um, he was on his way to Yellowstone with a co-worker who was another church member um, when the flooding intensified and they actually got stuck in the city of Gardner. Oh, I know this was a crazy story. <laughs> so good thing they didn't make it yeah. all the way, I guess. Um, he said they literally got trapped. Um, they went to the church meeting house and just started working with the stake presidency to prepare the building and property for anybody that needed space yeah. who was being evacuated. Um, also, coincidentally, he said just the Sunday before, on June 12th, the stake leadership and bishoprics had a training on emergency preparedness yeah. that had been scheduled for many, many months. So that was coincident. It was fresh in their brains. So tender mercies. Right? Coincidence? I think yeah. not. Yeah. <laughs> so um, anyway, it said... Uh, People evacuated pretty quickly, and luckily everyone was okay, but they do have a couple of ward members that have been waterlocked, mm-hmm. um, and so they've been checking in with them, um, you know, just taking care of the people that need help, and uh, the ward building is in good shape, but it does say it's now cut off from the rest of the resort town because of damage to the road. Oh, wow. So... I don't know how they're getting to the ward building, maybe on their four-wheelers through the woods. But boat, <laughs> yeah. You mean they, they flooding? 
true. Or that maybe way. the water has receded and yeah. Yeah. So anyway, thankfully, um, most of the community, community and members there are safe. Although the community and the members, some of the members have definitely sustained some pretty yeah. awful property damage. Yeah. And um, we just hope that gets back to normal exactly. soon. Exactly, because Yellowstone in the summertime mm-hmm. is always like I super, know. super packed. And I'm really feeling bad for like the small businesses yeah. around there. I'm just like, yeah, because first they had to survive COVID. Yeah. So assuming they've survived COVID, yeah. and now in that at least that area of the park where it's flooded and right. people can't access. Which that area I gotta of the say, park. this is probably got to be worse than COVID because we went the summer of COVID. Okay, and it was hopping. Like oh. they, they said it was the busiest summer they'd had in oh, years. And I think it was because COVID, yeah. everybody just road tripped. Like, yeah. so where do you Well, you could stay in your car. Where do you road trip? If you live in the West, you go to Yellowstone or exactly. Yosemite. So, um, so this has got to be worse than COVID for them even. Oh, so that's too bad. Yeah. All right. So our next one is an article from, I believe it was from the Deseret News. Or maybe I'll do a slipping. I can't remember which. Anyway. They're kind of the same thing. Although, <laughs> I was going to look this up today and I didn't. We had we had heard a rumor that the Deseret yes. News was sold. That the church doesn't own it anymore. It does not own it anymore. Our younger sister told us that and we were totally unaware. We were like, what? I know. So I was going to Google that today and I never Googled it. So maybe we'll have to like Google yeah. that afterwards because she, was, she went to a, a, a conference of Mormon mm-hmm. history people or something like that. I don't remember the mm-hmm. exact thing of what it was and met a couple of reporters. And she met one from the Deseret News who said it was sold to a private individual. Right. But they are LDS. But they are LDS. And so the church doesn't own it anymore. But it also allows the journalists right. to have a lot more freedom because they don't have to fall under that mm-hmm. umbrella of church and church standards. Right. It'll be interesting to see if we notice any differences, yeah. right? And, and I don't know when this even happened. Yeah, I don't know. It I sounded recent. It sounded recent, but I'm like, how did we not hear anything about that? So mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it was just a faith-promoting rumor at this conference. But, Maybe. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's when considering you came from an employee. Yeah. Anyway. All right. So this article is entitled, Pioneer Trek is Here, What You Need to Know. Now, if you listened to last week's show, Jeff did that with Haley Smith. And... Uh, well, he did do Pioneer Trek. She was this co-host on last week's show. And she went on Trek. And she went on she Trek. She was fresh off of Trek. She was fresh off of Trek. She had a lot to say about Trek. And one of the things that they were talking about is they were talking about how did this whole Trek thing come about? Right. So, and and I'm sitting there listening to the episode and I'm like, I want to raise my hand and go, pick me, pick me, Because you know, you me. know. Well, I don't know, but I have a very strong suspicion. <laughs> okay. So. I did not do Pioneer Trek growing up. Did you do Pioneer Trek growing no, up? No, it wasn't a thing. I feel like it was a thing shortly after me. Okay. And see, and you graduated. I graduated in, in 97. 97. And okay. I feel like by the mid-2000s, it was a full-blown thing here in Idaho. But it might have been happening already in Utah. Okay. But Well, here's my theory. You may recall the year 1997, the year that you graduated yes. from high school was also the year that we were celebrating 150 years of the pioneers being in the Salt Lake Valley. That was it. That was it. triggered it. President Hinckley was the church president at the time. And if you know anything about President Hinckley, he loved 
Mormon pioneer mm-hmm. stories, mm-hmm. you know, and he was always recounting, you know, the William, the Willie and Martin Hancock company stories and just all the stories from the pioneers coming across the plains. And I believe in 97, as part of that celebration, that they did some sort of a Trek thing that maybe was organized by mm-hmm. the church or some recreations. And so what I think happened is I think after that with President Hinckley, mm. that then stakes probably beginning in right. Utah. I bet individuals, individuals went on that track and yes. were like, this was amazing. We, we need, need to, to take do it this. back to our state. Exactly. So that then by the mid 2000s, all of the, you know, it, it, yeah. I, I suspect kind of the nucleus was Utah and it just mm-hmm. kind of expanded beyond that because even in the mid 2000s, I mean, I was back in Idaho by then and I, well, in fact, I was even in Utah by then. And yeah, I do remember them. I do remember maybe 2008 or so, maybe mm-hmm. my ward doing one. I, I didn't participate in it, but I think that's kind of where yeah. the nucleus of it all started. You know what? We were in California in the mid 2000s, living in Southern California. Uh-huh. And I remember our ward there doing one for the first, yeah. for the first time. Exactly. I was in Young Women's. Exactly. I was so. supposed to go, but I... <laughs> A grandparent died at the last minute. Ooh. So literally like two days before Keith, yes. Keith and I were supposed to be a mom and pa, we handed our clothing and our supplies to another young married couple, poor, poor little souls. And we were like, would you like to be mom and pa? And they naively said, sure. Having no idea what they were getting into. Well, they clearly didn't read this article because if they'd read this article, <laughs> this article tell you exactly what you what you're getting into. You know, just talks about the hike and you'll drink more water than you've ever drunk and what you need to pack in your in your bucket, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, well, I shouldn't say this article is somewhat timely. Um, my stake this week leaves for Trek. Mm. Uh, you may recall we podcasted four years ago and I was a Monopa four years ago. You, you were all in on that. We were all in and we kind of had expected to be all in this time. But um and and even got asked to not be a mom pa, but to help on some of the logistics. But um uh I had a medical issue going on that um I had surgery for a couple of days ago. So that kind of okay. put me out of so, the contention for track. So let me ask you I know what you're gonna say. Yeah. Let me ask you this. What is harder? Having surgery or going on track? <laughs> oh gosh. Oh gosh. <laughs> I would definitely say going on track. <laughs> I knew you were going to say I that. I picked surgery over track, but it, it was a very minor surgery. It was, you know, it, I, 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 I didn't even spend the night in the hospital, and I, and I might be a little loopy on pain medication tonight. She's feeling great, feeling great, but yeah, no, I would hands down pick surgery over track. <laughs> I knew it. Because I'm just not a sleep in a tent sort of a girl, but my husband loves it. And so that is why I've gone the last two times I have gone because this is cosplay for him. I mean, he just, he wishes he lived in the 1860s. Okay. Well then can I make a future prediction? Please make a future prediction. Should the two of you ever decide to get wild and go on a mission Uh in your older years? Yes. I am predicting he will put in a request for that Martin's Cove mission. Oh, gosh. Did you know you can go there? I have a friend whose in-laws are there, and it is like a four-month mission for the summer. Shut up. And then you go home and go back to your life. It's like the shortest mission ever. You go on a four-month mission to that Martin's Cove. Uh Uh-huh. You run all those treks, and then you go back home. Okay. Now- And you don't sleep in a tent. I don't think. I think- 
they go out with them during the day and then they go back to their little cabin at night. Okay. Now see, now that is a mission. That is a trek I can get behind because that was going to be my next question is if I have to sleep in a tent for four months, that's <laughs> probably not going to work. No, but if someone puts a bug in your husband in Darren's ear, oh. this is what he's, he's going to be like, that's the mission I want. So and that would be exactly the mission that would like, mm-hmm. that would like, he, he would, he would be so excited. He can trek, so, trek his little heart out. Well, okay. plus the other thing too, is at least that Martin's Cove mission, Wyoming's not like super humid. I mean, yeah, it's going to be hotter than Hades, <laughs> yeah. but no humidity. And I am not, a, I, uh, I don't do humidity. So, <laughs> All right. Okay. Trek lives on. Trek lives on. All right. Uh, next story is from LDS Living. This was kind of a cool story. It was about, um, this is just a cool human interest story. It's about a guy named Michael Daly. Um, and the title was why working at Deseret Industries helped a former state president heal from depression. I loved this so story. This was actually really cool. So this guy, Michael Daly, um, he was missionary, husband, father, bishop, stake president, manager, supervisor. Um, and then he twice was a patient in, of a mental health unit in a okay. hospital. So it just talks about how, um, he, they were living in Las Vegas. Um, they raised six children. So this was later in life. Mm -hmm. Um, he was a supervisor for a media company. He was busy with church callings. And then around the same time he got released as state president, his company was sold. Um, and he was laid off. So he kind of went from this huge responsibilities, busy, busy to now not having a job or a big calling. And it said it really, um, he really struggled yeah. with his mental health after that time. Um, it says July of 2019, he checked into the mental health unit of Logan Regional Hospital. They had moved mm-hmm. um, to they, Logan. They had felt inspired to move to yeah. Logan. So he was in a pretty dark place. Um, and he was just really, really struggling with this mental health. And then um, he decided that even though he was fine financially, he needed to work. And I think so, his doctors concurred. His doctors yeah. were like, sitting around is not good for you. You just get in your head right. and that doesn't help anyone. So he got a job through the De- Deseret Industries Internship Program and okay. the cafeteria of the Logan, Utah Temple. Okay. Now, I thought this was interesting because I'm sure he could get a lot of jobs. Yeah. But this is where he was led. Yeah. And maybe it was like the flexibility. Maybe it was the low pressure. It did say yeah. in um, part of this article that like... He just wanted to be a worker. He didn't want yeah. to be a manager. He didn't he want wanted to be in charge. Yeah. He just wanted a job. He could go and work and stay busy. Um, anyway, so he said um, he had a great experience working in the temple and he saw a lot of people and was able to serve and help. And then after the pandemic hit, temples were shut down. Um, and so he had to stop working. But he was starting to drift into the depression again. So he asked if he could work at a DI thrift store in Logan. So he did. And like, he just said that again, it just helped him so much uh, with this depression. And um, he said there was a special spirit there. He's learned self-reliance in a new way, obviously self-reliance with his mental health. Um, And then he liked, he just loved the people there working with people who are, you know, trying to change their lives and gain skills and grow. And so well, and then did it say he and his wife decided they wanted to serve a mission? Mm-hmm. And so they started putting things in order and then they got called to um, Palmyra. Yes, they're in Palmyra. Which reminds me of the Fighting Preacher movie set in Palmyra and like the longest mission assignment ever. Yeah. 
So anyways, it was just a cool story about, you know, it's always good reminder to hear the good things that DI is doing. And well, and one of the things that I really appreciated about this story Mm -hmm. was, you know, culturally sometimes in the church and and they've been trying to Mm -hmm. kind of break away from this. And especially a lot of the talks we've heard in conference lately and from Elder Holland and stuff is there's, there's a, a stigma. Oh, mm-hmm. well, you're just being lazy. You should just get out of bed. You know, what's, right. you know, you're just not tough enough. You're just lazy. You're weak, you know, mm-hmm. associated with somebody who is suffering from depression. And the thing that I liked about this article is I, and again, this is Tiffany 101. So take it for what it's worth. <laughs> take it for the advice that you're getting for free <laughs> is one of the things that I liked about this article is it was a combination of him working with his physicians mm-hmm. because he did work very closely with his physicians and medication, but also then reaching out and serving others and being busy and being involved. Right. And so I think that that is just, you know, I mean, every individual who suffers from mental health issues is different, mm-hmm. but I think it's important to realize that, you know, there's no one cure fits all. Right. But that medication and seeking professional help is just as important as, Mm -hmm. you know, for him going, I need to stay busy. Staying busy might not be work for somebody else. That wasn't the only thing he did. Exactly. He also went and got the Exactly. And so medical help he needed. And and I'm sure that that was probably pretty tough for him because he's in that age bracket where you don't really acknowledge mental health issues and that, um, you know, taking medication was a sign of weakness. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I really liked the story and it was just a good reminder that when we're, when we're struggling with mental health issues, you know, serving others in addition to, you know, the medical treatment that, that Mm -hmm. we receive can really help minimize or help overcome some of those challenges. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good article. Okay. What do you have next? Well, I've got two, I've got two law related articles. Oh, your favorite kind. My favorite kind. (laughs) Okay. So the first one involves the J. Rubin Clark School of Law, of which I am an alumni. And so they just cracked a top 10 list. And if you are wondering what top 10 list they cracked, they cracked the top 10 list of U.S. law schools with the highest first-time bar exam passage rate in 2021. In 2021, over 96% of their law school graduates passed the bar on their first attempt. And that's pretty short of a, I mean, that's, that's really pretty amazing. high because the bar is like oh, hard, The bar right? is awful. <laughs> Isn't oh the bar gosh. like super hard? Like I remember <laughs> so. when I finished the bar calling our dad going, I have no idea if I passed. This could go either way. This is kind of like a 50-50 thing. And if I didn't pass, I don't know if I'm going to take it again, you know? Um, and I did pass. But um, yeah, I mean, that is just, that is a really huge deal to have a 96% passage yeah. rate. That tells you a lot about the focus of the law school and not just, they, they try and focus more on a holistic approach, not just how to take a bar exam test mm-hmm. so you can pass it, but they try and teach their students how to learn to learn. But some of the heavyweights that are also on that top 10 list with uh, the J. Rubin Clark are Harvard, New York University, Yale, Duke, and Stanford. So they're up there so with the big guys. They're playing with the big guns. And and I just think I just think that this is this is really cool. In the let's see, how many years have I been out of law school? 
a lot. Anyway, in the 20, 25 years since I've been out of law school, they've really kind of changed a lot of their practices in how they do law school and how they approach mm-hmm. law school uh, to really help students be be more successful. And so I, I, I thought that was awesome. And congratulations to BYU on a high pass rate. You know, I will say one other thing about my experience in law school. I did not appreciate the quality of education that I received at BYU at the time I was receiving it. It wasn't until I got out into the real world and I was practicing and I was, you know, meeting other attorneys who went to other schools Uh that I was like, wow, I really got a good quality education there that I didn't appreciate at the time. I mean, I appreciate Uh it now and I appreciated it then when I met some other lawyers that I went, I wish I'd met you before I took the bar exam. I would have been a lot less freaked out about (laughs) passing the bar exam if I'd known you. (laughs) Oh my goodness. That's hilarious. Okay. I watched, this just reminds me, Uh I watched Legally Blonde with my teenager recently. She wanted to watch it. She'd never never watched it before. Anyway, my favorite line is there when when the boyfriend's like, how did you get into Yale? And she's like, what? Like it's hard? What? Like, like taking the bar is hard? Like it's hard? <laughs> I, I love that line. Oh, and so then that brings me to a second law school story that we have. We have a gentleman who is a member of the church, and his name is, I, I'm going to just, he's Polynesian. I'm just going to mispronounce this name. Let's just put, let's just get it out there right, right away. Uh, I think his first name is pronounced Kaloa. And then I can't even begin to pronounce his middle name. And his last name is Wolfgram. So we're going to call him Brother Wolfgram. Okay. And he has this, uh, he recently graduated from Yale Law School. Speaking of Yale Law. Speaking of Mm. Yale Law. But he has this really interesting background for how he ended up at Yale Law School. So he is from, let's see, uh, if it tells us which Polynesian country he is from. Um, it just says he's, uh, oh, he's a native Hawaiian slash Pacific mm-hmm. Islander. So anyway, oh, and his family is from Tonga, okay. the, the part of the Tongan community. So when he was four years old, he was diagnosed with bone cancer. He overcame that disease. But then by the time he was 13, complications arose and he lost his leg. He has, his leg was amputated when he was 13. So he kind of learned how to, he had to, you know, push through all of that. Then he decides to serve a mission and he is sent to England. He's supposed to be, he's supposed to be English speaking. He gets over there and they're like, um, can you learn some Mandarin? They really help us out. So he learns Mandarin on his mission. He's also given a blessing on his mission that if he works hard every day, his leg would be healed each night and he'd be able to get up and and go. Mm -hmm. And so then he does some other interesting stuff. He, he thinks he's going to be one major and then he ends up being an, being an Arabic major and he ends up applying for law school and he gets into originally into Duke. So he's at Duke university in North Carolina. He's in his first year of law school. He's married, he has kids. And your first year of law school is like so demanding. Like they won't let you work during your first year of law school because it is so demanding. Mm -hmm. And so what happens to him when he's in North Carolina? (laughs) Let's put him in a bishopric. Doesn't that sound fun? So he's a first year law student in a bishopric. (laughs) So he and his wife decide to make their family and their church service a priority. 
and just let everything else kind of fall where it, where it was. And by doing that, he was able to end up with some just outstanding grades at Duke. And then he was able to transfer to Yale. And so that's how he ended up graduating from Yale. He is the first Pacific Islander to ever have graduated from Yale Law School. So this was a big deal. They talk about at his graduation, he had 87 family members there. So they say his name and like the crowd erupts, you know, and all these East Coast people are like, who invited them to the party? I'm sure he had to have the biggest family of exactly the whole exactly i love that so post law school he with um some of his other family members are starting this um business called wolfgram capital and it is a um I believe some sort of an investment um, firm. It's a real estate private equity firm specializing in value-added hospitality investments. Like they own a bunch of hotels. They own a bunch of hotels. And so anyway, I thought it just was kind of a really cool human interest piece on a couple of different things. First of all, overcoming a lot of adversity, Mm -hmm. but also I really liked how he and his wife sat down and they said, these are going to be our priorities, you Mm -hmm. know, family and church is first and then school. And we'll just, you know, work our hardest and do our best. And they also talk about in there that by making those their priorities, they felt sustained by the Mm -hmm. spirit in being able to accomplish everything that they needed to. Very cool. It was very cool. Okay. We have a couple of mom stories, which are always fun. Yes. <laughs> okay. Because we're moms. Yes. This first one is about McKenna Myler. She's of okay. Highland, Utah. She, I, th- I feel like we talked about her before. Oh, we talked about her before. Because she's the one that ran a five minute, 25 second mile, yes. nine months pregnant. Insane. Um, she got to go to Olympic trials um, in, with the qualification performance in the 10K. She's the new record holder for the Deseret News Half Marathon. Like she's a big runner. LDS, famous runner. Um, well, guess what and she here's did why now. she's in the news now. <laughs> this is so crazy to me. I know. She ran a four minute, 37 mile, th- four minute, 37 seconds mile in blue jeans. I know. This is awful. Like when I looked at the picture, because there is a photo with this story, I couldn't look at it and not cringe. It's her just running on the track in these tight, skinny jeans. Typical blue jeans. I was like, that looks so painful. (laughs) I know. Well, and I think she'd been in California training for something. So this was a thing. She was in California training, just doing her normal thing. And then she found out that her team was putting on a blue jean mile to raise money and awareness for mental health during uh-huh. the month of May. She was like, oh, sure, I'll participate. Yeah. And she was just thinking she'll make this part of her regular yeah. workout and then continue running from yeah. there for her workout for the day. So she went to the thrift store, got some jeans. Um, she said she wasn't planning on going very fast, um, just a 5K pace. She, which is four minutes which and 50 seconds is hilarious. per mile. She told oh, her, just my little 5K pace. I'm not going to go very fast. She told her pacers to pace her at 450 a Four fifty a mile, yeah, which is like mind blowing to the average human. Um, yeah. Anyway, she said that they went out a little bit too fast, and she just went with it, and she ended up running four minutes 37 seconds. Um, she broke the blue jean mile record by eighteen seconds. She also beat her own personal best mile time by three seconds. Okay, what kind of magic jeans did that woman buy? I don't know. It's the sisterhood of the traveling pants. Seriously. <laughs> I know. She better save those jeans. Seriously. I think no. they are her good luck ones. Good. So, good for her. This is amazing yeah. to me. I mean, 
also, I just, when I look at that picture, think, how? How? Yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I, I, I can't wrap my head around But it. I also really hate jeans. COVID has made me like a stretchy pants kind of girl. So. Well, you and like every other person, I was just having a discussion with my 21-year-old daughter who's in college. And she's like, mom, I now understand why you wear dresses all the time in the summer. She's like, they're so much more cool and comfortable. She's like, and now I understand why you don't wear jeans. I can't hardly wear my jeans anymore. I want to be in dresses or leggings. Once you go to stretchy pants, you can't go back. Seriously. So. Cannot go, cannot backtrack from stretchy pants. No. Okay. So this next story, I loved it. It was so sweet. This is about a mom who is 50 years old, who was a surrogate for her daughter at age 50. I can't even I wrap know. my brain around this having a baby at my age, is even so, if we didn't have to raise it. This is so bananas. So um, her daughter's name, or the mom's name is Shalise Smith. Her daughter is Caitlin Munoz. Okay. And um, they are from Pleasant Grove, or the mom's from Pleasant Grove, at least. I think the daughter lives in Texas. Okay. So I guess um, she had struggled with fertility, um, and her first her first baby, they did get a baby, but they had to do the embryo, the in, yeah. in vitro fertilization um, for her first baby. And she had a baby named Callahan in 2019. Um, and then at the same time, they had took out extra embryos and were able to yeah. harvest the embryos. Well, I guess she had some complications when she had that first baby. She did. Um, she had like an autoimmune disease and just some other things that made it very difficult for her to have another. They advised her, do not yes. get pregnant again. But she had these embryos. And so she's like, frozen, what do I do with the embryos? And she, of course, really wanted another child. So, you know, of course, she's wept to her mother about mm -hmm. this um, several times. And um, her mom said that in her own prayers, you know, for her daughter, the thought came to her. She had this impression, like, that maybe she needed to offer to her daughter to mm -hmm. do this for her. Um, their daughter had not asked her. I'm yeah. sure, I'm sure it hadn't even crossed her daughter's mind. Oh yeah. Cause in her mind, she's probably thinking my mom is old. <laughs> Who would ask that of a 50 year old woman, right? I know. <laughs> so, so anyways, she just couldn't shake this thought. She just kept having it. Um, but she sat on it for a few days and yeah. pondered it and she, you know, thought, okay, I would only do this if, you know, yeah. ev everybody's okay. My husband, her husband. Yeah. Oh yeah. Her. So anyway, she ended up offering to her daughter to do this and she did. She carried this yeah. healthy baby born seven pounds, 13 ounces, a, a little, little girl. girl named Elena. And, um, they were all in the delivery room. Yeah. So daughter's grandma, husband, grandpa, daughter, and son-in-law Yes, all are in, all in the delivery, all in the room, delivery room. Like that's a little up closer. <laughs> I know. She said it was an amazing experience. There were tears all around. Um, anyway. Well, and she also talks about people said, oh, how, how hard is that going to be to turn over right. a, a baby that, you know, that that you grew for nine right. months? And she's like, this never was my baby. Right. You know, and I think about that in terms of like my own daughters. You know, if I were to put myself in mm -hmm. their shoes and I were physically capable, you know, I could see being a surrogate to my right. daughters and I could see handing oh, yeah. that baby over. I think it would because be I so would... much easier to do it for a family member oh, yeah, exactly. than a stranger for exactly. sure. Because you're going to see that baby. Well, not only that, I'm giving my daughter something yeah. that, I mean, what parent wouldn't do almost anything for yeah. their kid, yeah. you know, to, to heal heartbreak. Yeah. And, and what a special bond to what, have exactly. with your grandchild. Exactly. So that is 
crazy. Anyway, anyway, really cool story. Okay, so my next story is an interview with Gail Miller. And as you may know, she is the wife of the late Larry H. Miller. And um, let me explain to you a little bit about this particular interview and why this interview is kind of kind of interesting. There in Idaho, over in eastern Idaho, there is a news organization called EastIdahoNews.com. They are not a print media. They are not a, um, you know, they don't, they're not a broadcast media. They simply write stories and publish them online. And they haven't been around for too long. They got really big. They're the ones that broke the Chad Daybell, Lori Vallow uh, case. And so that's where they kind of got really big. I follow them on Facebook and I think that they are just kind of, I'm really impressed with how they run their journalism sites, um, the quality of stories that they do. Well, one of their main um, reporters, and this is, he, he broke Lori Vallow, Chad Daybell. Uh, his name is uh, Nate uh, Eaton. Well, he has this little girl named Emily. Mm-hmm. And so you may have recall when um, Lori, Lori Vallow, Chad Daybell broke, uh, Keith Morrison and Dateline NBC descended upon Rexburg because yes. Dateline NBC has been following this story. And Dateline NBC, Keith Morrison did a lot of interviews with Nate Eaton. Um, and then, um, somewhere along the line, somebody got the idea of, well, let's let Nate Eaton's daughter, Emmy interview Keith Morrison and flipped the tables and let her ask, ask Keith Morrison questions. Well, this was just such a hit that now Emmy has her own, um, she doesn't do a lot of writing, but she does these videos where Mm -hmm. she interviews people and they get put up on East Idaho News' YouTube channel. And somehow or another, East Idaho News convinced Gail Miller to sit down with this Emmy who is 10 years old and subject herself to being interviewed by a 10-year-old. Which is funny. She doesn't live in Idaho, right? No. She's she's in Utah. she's, She's in Utah. They were... And it looks like they probably went down to Utah for the interview because it looks like they're probably like in the corporate headquarters for, for Larry H. Miller. But I watched the video and it is just so adorable. Emmy is so professional and Gail Miller is just like the sweetest, nicest grandma to Emmy. I mean, she's just like, I want to be her grandkid. She looks like she's really cool. And so Emmy asks her a whole bunch of questions like, um, Um, you know, have you ever been to Idaho and tried our potatoes? What do you like about being a mom or a grandma? Uh, when you're not working, what do you like to do in your spare time? You know, what qualities do you look for in hiring employee? It's about a 10 minute interview and it's adorable. They swap gifts at the end and it just makes you feel all good. So I highly recommend it. So cute. Okay. All right. Next article. This is from LDS Living. This was actually part of their blog. Um, They did a series on their blog called Mighty Women. Um, And this was uh, by Morgan Pearson, I think, who's one of the hosts of All In. Yeah. Wrote this article. But it was just kind of, a again, another human interest piece about this um, woman named Judy Ayer, a member her whole life. Um, She is older she had been married for i think it said 42 42 years years before her husband left her for another woman yes they they found that out by the end at the beginning they just said he left her he left her and then by the end they said the reasoning i was like oh okay we're thank you let's just talk about what happened here well (laughs) and what was interesting is the kids tried to warn her and she's like oh no 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 no, that's not going right so she's yeah it said like a year before the kids were trying to warn her she thought everything was fine he got called to the high council she's like look he's on the high council now he's good and it wasn't very long after that that it all came out and he 
decided to leave her. And she just talked about, of course, how devastated she was. And when you're sealed to someone, you just have this expectation Mm -hmm. and this vision of what your life is going to look like. And she's starting over after, you know, being married for 42 years. And, um, and and she's had to separate her identity from his identity because they were so intertwined. And she talks about having to break that down and start over. And, uh, it's just kind of, you know, I, what what struck me mm-hmm. about this is, I mean, not not only the the divorce, but there are there are a lot of women who find themselves, you know, in their fifties for a whole variety of reasons, having to figure things out. Mm-hmm. A very good friend of mine uh, just recently lost her husband, and he was fifty two, very young, mm-hmm. and so she's. When I read this article, it reminded me of her Mm -hmm. because I was like, she's going through all of those emotions that this lady is going through going, Mm -hmm. you know, how do I start my life? What do I do? Where do I go? You know, um, just reassessing everything that you thought was going to be this way. And now it's not. Right. And so I thought it was very inspirational. It was was inspirational. And she talked about, um, she just didn't even know where to start. So she said one of the first choices she made was to keep going to church, yeah. um, which she never felt like was a choice before. But yeah. all of a sudden she was like, well, I'm feeling like she had to make herself go, yeah. you know? And then she decided to um, go to the temple every Saturday. And just she just said, you know, over time, slowly her life began to fall into place and she kind of created this new life for herself. Yeah. And she currently is Relief Society president. She lives in Salt Lake City right now and she's Relief Society president in her ward. And she just said, you know, having gone through what she's gone through, she's been able to help a lot of sisters in similar situations. Um, anyway, it was a very good article, very inspiring. Yes, I liked it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, in our next human interest piece, uh, this is a piece on Camille Johnson. And you may recall, she was called to be the new General Relief Society president She's currently the general primary president. And in April, they said, we're going to release her in August. Just FYI, everybody. And we all got to vote on it. And we're going to call her to be the new Relief Society general president. Uh, So she's switching callings. And so it's just kind of a piece on some background about her. And um, one of the things that she was asked is what one of her favorite callings has been. And she said she loved to teach in Relief Society. I love the opportunity to engage the sisters and to be taught by the spirit and each other during that sacred hour in Relief Society. It is there that we talk of Christ and rejoice in Christ and address matters of the heart. And so... um, you know, she, she talks about that. She and her husband served as mission presidents in Peru. And she talks about that. She moved around a lot as a child growing up. And she talks about her father, who um, was a people person with a unique gift. And then she met her husband when she was in her first year of law school. I believe he was in medical school. And so they were balancing these careers because she was a practicing attorney at a very well-known uh, firm in Salt Lake City for a number of years before uh, they got called. Uh, he got called as a mission president. And she always talks about, again, just what uh, Brother Wolfgang talked about in his law school thing is he said, family was and always is my priority. And so regardless of what was happening in her life, family was her priority. But what I thought was really interesting is um 
when she first began serving as the primary general primary president, she said she felt the need to learn as much as she could from the Relief Society general president, Jean B. Bingham. And so she had no idea she was going to end up with this calling as the general Relief Society president, but she just kind of studied Sister Bingham and she would go on trips and minister with Sister Bingham and just learn from Sister Bingham and they would counsel together. And she said, you know, I think that's really going to help me as I transition to uh, being the Relief Society presidency, uh, new Relief Society president. And she talks about her counselors and said she's absolutely certain that the Lord wanted them called as my counselors at this time. And uh, anyway, it's just kind of a, you know, to get a little bit more biographical information on her and her background. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm not seeing probably, she's probably not going to be doing a lot of radical new things, but um, it, you know, it's it's just interesting to, Mm -hmm. to get to know a little bit more about these ladies. Yeah. That's fun. Okay, next our article. This is a sad one. We had another missionary pass away. Um, this was a missionary in the Mexico City area. He was in a bike crash. His name was Elder Francisco La Madrid, and he was 22. Um, and he said he couldn't recover a turn from a turn at the bottom of a steep hill, yeah. and it was slippery. He was wearing a helmet, but his injuries were pretty bad. And he was also from Mexico. He was from Merida, Mexico. It's Zima steak. Yeah. Um, and he'd been serving since 2021. It's so sad. Oh, I know. Um, so our, our, our hearts go yeah. out to his family and his entire mission because mm-hmm. losing, a, losing a missionary in the field not only affects the family, it also yeah. obviously affects the other missionaries. So, all right. Well, should we move on to one of our favorite favorite segments, Mormons behaving oh, badly? Oh yeah, we got some bad ones we this time. Okay. No, you know, petty theft this time. We got some gnarly ones. Which or is bunny ears not great. on the floor of the legislature. That's still one of my favorites. Okay, so our first one, there was a gentleman who was arrested, I believe, oh, around 2019. Um, he was a a primary teacher, and he was accused of uh, sexually abusing a girl from his ward. And he was initially charged with a number of counts. They whittled it down to where he pled guilty to uh, one count of sexual abuse of a child, a second degree felony. Um, he was having sleepovers at his house for children with his primary class. With his primary class, and I, I, I. I Words escape me, me too. because in what day and age is anybody thinking this is okay? Like it, it, exactly, if my kid in this day and age, how is anyone allowing this? I know if my kid got invited to a sleepover at the primary teacher's house, I'd be like, um, no, like that would send up no, all sorts of no. red flags. So I don't know what the circumstances were, but a- again, he pled guilty to it. He's going to be sentenced in September. And um, so, yes, Mormons behaving badly. And finally, the last story for Mormons behaving badly. Um, many of you may or may not have heard, last weekend up in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, which is northern Idaho, there were 31 members of this kind of extreme right-wing um White nationalist. White nationalist group that had all loaded up into a U-Haul truck and they were headed down to the park where they were doing pride activities for um, gay month or LGBTQ 
pride activities. Mm-hmm. And they were they were essentially going to go down there and, and, and incite chaos. And a concerned citizen had seen these men load up because they were all dressed identical. They had khaki pants and blue shirts. And then they had these masks, um, kind of gator masks, things all around them, and then hats and sunglasses. So very suspicious looking. Mm-hmm. The cops pulled them over before anything that could happen. And 31 gentlemen were arrested. Well, they list the states that they were arrested from, and one of them was from, well, there were several from Utah. Most were not from Idaho. Most were not from Idaho. Believe it or not. (laughs) But there was this one from Utah, and he's from Provo, and his mother agreed to an interview with CNN. Now, we don't know if he is LDS, okay? We're we're speculating. We are totally speculating. Based on the Provo. Based on the Provo, that... Perhaps he probably is a member of the church. If he's not, we're calling it Mormon adjacent for or Mormons he, behaving badly. Or he was at one point in time. Or he was at one point in or time. Or his family is. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. So um, he's been having, he'd been living with his mother. He'd been having these far right wing things, you know, that he was involved in. And his mother kept saying, get away from that, get away from that. And he didn't. When he got arrested in Idaho, she said, I hope that that would have been his wake-up call, but it wasn't. He said to her that um, we were there to prevent them from grooming children. We were doing what we thought was right. And his mother at that point in time just said, I'm sorry, you have to leave my house. You are no longer invited to stay here because the the things that you are advocating and the things that you are doing, um, you're putting hate into the world and you're putting yourself in danger. And so our, our suspicion is at least one of the 31 has some ties to the uh, to the church. That's our suspicion. We don't know for sure. Yikes. But we're calling it good and we threw them in Mormons behaving badly. There you go. That's rough. I know. <laughs> Those are a couple of doozies for you. They are a couple of doozies. All right. So now we can talk about our favorite things. Let's move on to our favorite things. Of which I have nothing this month. Tiffany's out. I, I'm 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 out. And let me let me explain why I have nothing this month. <laughs> My husband and I are in the middle of a major uh, update slash renovation to our house. And so literally every waking hour for the past like month has just been consumed with cleaning, purging, painting, fixing that that's like all I've done. And you just had surgery. And I just had (laughs) surgery too. So Ariane's going to pick up the slack this month on the favorite things for me. And hopefully by the time I get to when we record in July. um, By then your favorite thing will be being done with your house. Hopefully. Oh, cr- cross my fingers, <laughs> cross my fingers. But the reason that we had to do this and y'all will appreciate this. When we moved into this house 11 years ago, we had six kids at home and they just, their kids are rough on houses. Mm-hmm. They did a number on our house. And so now we're down to one kid at home. So we decided it was time to undo the damage that the six children had done. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping to live in this lovely, renovated, updated house with things that are fixed. A peaceful home. A peaceful home. With no fingerprints on the walls <laughs> and no damaged cupboards. I don't know what else. Well, but I'm still going to have sticky floors because I got the 18-year-old. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So. Okay. Well, I have two I'm going to share. Okay. On behalf of her. I'm taking her one. Okay, good. <laughs> so these are both Instagram accounts um, that are just awesome. Okay. First one is called Betsy's Best Bets. I discovered this a couple of months ago 
I love her so much. If I meet her in real life, I will run up and give her a hug and be like, I need to be your new BFF. Okay. Also, what does she do? She lives close to here. Okay, what? This is, she's a Boise person? She lives in Nampa and she's <gasps> married to a Keller, which we know the Keller family from growing up. Oh, she's married she's to- married to Clint. I was going to say she's married to Clint. So um, she has an Instagram account. It's, because you know what? I think I think Kelsey, um, she's the Food Network girl that's LDS. I think her- No. Are they related? Yes. She, oh. is, she is the Kelsey Nixon- if I recall correctly, she is Kelsey's. Kelsey's husband is her brother. Okay, I I think so, but I don't I, know. Don't quote me. I on don't that. know who Kelsey is. Anyway, okay, but <laughs> Betsy's best bets on Instagram. Okay. She's the one that told me about the Sonic pretzel that I raved about a couple oh. months ago. She just she's a mom of like uh-huh. she has teenagers and twenty something. Okay, so and. She just shares like really fun things that she finds and oh. totally random, like recipes. Okay. Um, Where's my phone? I'm going to have to put this in right recipes, now. Recipes, hair stuff, makeup stuff, like stuff with her teenagers. I really like following her for the teenager content because I'm kind of like a new teenager mom and she's like a seasoned teenager mom. Here we go, right here. And um, so I love like just seeing kind of the fun things she does with her teenagers and And she's very positive and upbeat and just like, just a really positive account to follow. Oh, how fun. And she shares all kinds of fun things. So she's my favorite. If I run it, if I happen to run into her at Target, I will be stalking her. I've already sent her messages. (laughs) Like seriously? (laughs) She's very nice. She always responds. You are such a fan girl. I know. (laughs) What is happening? (laughs) I don't usually do that. Okay. Well, except um, you did when you went up to Seattle to see your favorite. Oh, yeah, I did. Okay. Your favorite, um, my favorite podcast, podcast people. I guess this is just my thing now. I'm just out. like, I'm just meeting people on the internet now, I okay. guess. So, all okay. right. <laughs> so, second account is um, Charlie Bird, the mascot, former mascot. Oh, yes. For, for BYU. BYU. The former cougar, Charlie Bird. On his Instagram account, um, he's always great to follow, but on his Instagram account for June, um, since it's Pride Month, he has been doing like this question and answer series of okay. videos where he just answers people's questions about being a gay member of the church. And it is so good. He's just, I mean, he has his podcast yeah. Yeah. Um, that he does, Questions from the Closet. And I mean, he's always been very well-spoken, but I just really, really love this series that he's doing in the month of June. He answers people's questions that they submit, and it's just really like a really short, you know, one minute Uh little Instagram reel. And it's just, he's so well-spoken. It's so informative. And I just feel like every member of the church should watch this. Um, So I'm just shout out to his account for just being awesome. Okay. Well, and that seems quite appropriate for the month of June. Yes. All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up for us tonight, Twim Nation. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, if you have any comments, you can reach out to um, Jeff. Jeff. <laughs> what is Contact it? at thisweekinmormons.com. <laughs> Don't reach out to us, but you can reach, reach out to Jeff. <laughs> reach out to Jeff. Like my brain. Uh, it's, <laughs> anyway, you can find us on Facebook. <laughs> Twitter, Instagram, and if you really want to be a loyal supporter for three bucks a month, you can be a Patreon subscriber and help us keep the lights on. We appreciate that and uh, we wish you well for the rest of the summer. Thanks for listening.